What a perfect song to introduce the next section of our service. We're reporting on annual conference, which in Indiana happens in June, once a year. And even during COVID, we met, it just was remotely. And that was a different experience for sure. In 1984 or five, I had the opportunity to start serving as our own local church lay member to annual conference. And I thought, well, I'll do that for a few years. And then I took the place of a gentleman who had been the lay member for 47 years. And I thought, how could you? But once you go, and if you enjoy worship and uh, learning more about the, the Methodist Church, it, it really is exciting and fun. I have uh, served under four bishops uh, over those years, and I don't even know when exactly. Jim might help me out. But I, I became the district lay leader, so I stepped down as our local church lay leader and still attended annual conference. Um, there's all sorts of committees and boards and places that a person can serve once you're a part of the conference. So having done that, um, I have been the district lay leader for a number of years. And I, I, excuse me, Jim, if I embarrass you, but I'd love to have you welcome Jim Lewis. Stand up, Jim, let us see who you are. Jim was the district lay leader for many years, and I was his assistant or associate, and he taught me a lot about the church and about the conference, and I have been forever grateful for his, his service and work. And as you go to conference, you arrive, and you get to see so many people that you've met over the years. That's, that's the joy for me. Connie and Liz, if they continue to go, will experience that. But there's people I have met. I get to see a lot of our former pastors that, have, uh, that are able to, to come to conference and maybe chat for a few minutes with them and be a part of uh, just that fellowship of, of seeing people that, that have served in so many different ways. This year, the emphasis was on children matter most. Earlier in the spring, I asked you to create the school kits, bring them in the, the two-gallon bags. We had several from our church, uh, quite a few from the district, and over a 1,000 from the conference. But what really impressed me was the over 200, excuse me, over $102,000 that was gathered and donated during annual conference. Usually we don't take up a collection, but this year there was a special dispensation and we could, and Bishop made the challenge of $100,000 and everyone chuckled. I mean, literally, didn't they, Liz? Yes, and Connie, it was rippled through the building. And then he proved them wrong, proved us wrong. We, we had, not the faith, apparently, that we would exceed that even, but 102,000 was uh, donated for the special emphasis of Children Matter Most in Indiana. Indiana is the home to several universities and colleges. Indiana has five children's 
facilities that are, are places that children can go that are in foster care, that have lost connections with their families, and can be supported through those critical years when, when they need support and help. And Pastor Joe always points out how your ties and offerings help to support not only our church, but these are things that you do and you don't even think about it, I'm sure, on a day-to-day -day basis. This back-to-school kits were primarily for refugee children. Thousands of refugees have been relocated in Indiana and primarily from Afghanistan, but then after the Romanian uh, fiasco and war, then I'm sure a number of children are here that were uh, part of the families of, of the refugees. At annual conference, there's Bible study and there is worship. In recent years, there has been a lot of emphasis on worship time and praise singing and old, hy old hymns singing. And you've never heard singing until you've been in a room with 1,200 or 1,500 United Methodists raising their voices in praise and thanksgiving. It's, it's just such a, a wonderful experience and a very spiritual experience. In the worship and prayer times uh, throughout the, the conference, there's numerous times when we pray. We always pray before a resolution or an amendment is uh, voted on, and Bishop Trimble is, is very cognizant and aware of the need for us to pray continually. There were lunch and learn events that you could attend, and of course, it's always sad to say goodbye, but then we can come back and share with our local congregations on how we can be more effective as United Methodist and as the Church of Jesus Christ. So thank you for this time to be able to share with you, and uh, just thank you for supporting our, our conference and our district and all that you do. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Liz Hardy. Some of you might call me crazy, but I actually volunteered to go to conference. Um, I applied and was voted on at a district meeting to represent the South District, which is our district. I was born and raised a United Methodist. I am a United Methodist as I realized through our discipleship study that I am through and through a Methodist. While I haven't always attended a United Methodist Church, I've always stayed up to date with the issues and the happenings at the general conference, not necessarily annual conference because I was in two states, but definitely the general conference. I volunteered to go because there are many issues and situations that are presented in front of us as a United Methodist Church that affect me personally and my family. Beyond that, these issues affect my relationship with God and the way that I am allowed to serve in the United Methodist Church. So I wanted to serve and support and gain an understanding firsthand of what's going on in our district and our conference. If you've never gone to the conference, it's exciting and it's intense. Worship and communion with so many people is breathtaking and amazing, as Janet was just saying. Bishop Tremble and many other clergy members 
gave many addresses and teachings to the whole group and to small groups. They were both enlightening and a call to action. There was a service where we celebrated 58 retirees and their families for their dedication to God and the United Methodist Church. There's a beautiful celebration of life service where we remembered and honored 46 clergy members and spouses who have passed away throughout the year. At conference, eight elders and two deacons were ordained and another four individuals were commissioned. God is doing amazing things. There were numerous reports about various programs and ministries that are happening throughout the state. It was amazing to hear about our tithes at work. Reports that were given included, but were certainly not limited to the United Methodist camps in the state of Indiana. The In Against Racism and Injustice, which is where we received the sign that's out front of our church, demonstrating our church's stance and fight against racism. Children Matter Most, Mission Work, Laity, and Protecting Children were all reports that were given. In response, we have had opportunities to write to Senate members crying out for help against gun violence in schools. In our congregation, we are ensuring that many people continue to get trained in helping children and protecting the children that are within our congregation and our community. That training is not limited strictly to our children's ministry staff, but will be opened up to a number of other individuals throughout our congregation. At conference, resolutions were presented, discussed, and voted upon. Of the five re resolutions presented, two passed, one did not, one was deemed unconstitutional to the discipline, and another one was withdrawn. If you would like more information on those resolutions, please see one of us and we'll be glad to have discussion. I mentioned the addresses and the teaching and everything that was all tied into our theme. The theme of the conference, love God, love neighbor, was evident in each report, each resolution, each address and teaching opportunity. I have reflected on what I have learned at conference about God, about our denomination, and about myself. Love God, love neighbor. It seems easy enough. But love is more than a feeling or an emotion. Excuse me. Love is deeper than pleasure or adoration. Love is designed to move us to action. Love God, love neighbors, all of our neighbors, without stipulations or conditions. And as we love our neighbors, as we are moved to action, to stand against injustice and oppression, to reach out and fight for the marginalized. We are able to see Jesus in the face of every person we come in contact with, whether we agree with them or not, whether we vote the same way as them or not, whether we worship the same way. Love calls us to action. Love puts hands and feet 
to our thoughts and prayers. Love calls us to bring peace to people beyond our circle, beyond our walls, beyond our comfort zones. Love calls us to bring unity to our community. Love God, love neighbor. Love is calling, God is calling. Make love more than an action. I'm sorry, more than an emotion. Make it a verb, make it action. so much easier to sing. First of all, thank you for allowing me the privilege of representing Sellersburg United Methodist at Indiana's annual conference. I had no idea what to expect, but it was a wonderful experience. It was a time of music, worship, of business and politics, of recognition and honoring the lives of those who have served and ordaining those who are beginning service. I knew that the United Methodist Church had many programs, but I really did not know how many there were and how they impact people on a personal level. I came away determined not only to be a better Christian and servant, to be a better Methodist. Several statements throughout the conference caught my attention. One, Liz referenced as well, be the hands and feet of Christ to your church. That's my sincere desire as your lay member. And another important statement by the bishop was, though we may not all think alike, may we not all love alike. There were two speakers who really spoke to me. The first was a woman, I don't even know her name, who spoke about her grandmother's button jar. We have a little clip from that speech. So, when I was a kid, one of my favorite toys was my mom's button jar. Yeah? Do you want to get an amen? Anybody else have one of these? Yeah. And I know in some ways that kind of sounds pathetic, my favorite toy. Uh, I was a preacher's kid, so it makes it all clear, doesn't it? Um, but I was fascinated by that button jar. It just seems so beautiful to me. All the different buttons, not one of them the same. You know, there were multicolored ones and tortoise shells and some you could sort of see through and there were flat ones and ones with ridges and two holes and four holes. There were even toggles, yeah. And there was these ones, I don't know if you remember them, but they they look kind of like a ring with an oversized diamondish kind of thing in them. And I later found out these were called shank buttons. Yeah, shank buttons. I'm thinking possibly because you could, you know, stab somebody with them. I don't know. <laughs> but let me tell you, I was so into those buttons. But sometimes when I lost a button on a shirt or a sweater or something, my mom would send me to the button jar and she would ask me to find a replacement to sew on. So I'd come back to her with my choices, which I gotta admit were usually creative. And every time I did, my mom explained to me that Lenora, 
you know, buttons are supposed to match. You know, they're, they're supposed to fit in, not stand out. The buttons on your shirt are all supposed to look alike. And after a while, it started to dawn on me. This wasn't really a jar of beautiful, wonderful, exotic masterpieces. This was a jar of rejects, of misfits, of things that were too big or too small or not the right shape, not the right color, too girly or not girly enough, too bright or too weird or too original or too crazy looking, too much. I learned from my mom and that button jar just how important it was to be the same. As I grew up, I kept getting that message in lots of ways, from lots of places. I don't know, maybe you did too. Different is scary. The same is good. We learned good fences make good neighbors, so we built some fences and some walls and some policies to keep different away. And if it turns out that we are different in any way, and I gotta think maybe we are all different in all kinds of ways, we learn to keep that pretty well hidden, right? Because different just doesn't belong. When you came in this morning, you were given the opportunity to take a button from my button box. It's on the table out there. I've, I've had it for about 50 years, and I just keep adding and taking away. It's a little diminished now because I used it for um, making COVID mask uh, things to help the, the people in the hospitals. If you didn't get one coming in, take one as you leave. Buttons are used to connect, to hold things together. I invite you to use your button as a reminder that though we don't all match, we all have the same common purpose. And that purpose is to love God and serve God in any way we can. The other speaker who really convicted me was Grace Imathu. She's probably one of the most educated women I have ever experienced. Doctorates, she's preached on several continents, she's had several churches. She now serves as a pastor in Chicago. She spoke on the text of Matthew 22 using the example of baking an apple pie. If you've ever baked one, you know that all apple pies basically share the same ingredients, flour, sugar, cinnamon, salt, etc. But not all bakers use the same recipe. Some may follow the recipe exactly. Others, like me, kind of just eyeball the ingredients. I do better on crust than I just throw everything else in. As Christians, we use God's ingredients to share God's love, but we each share in slightly different ways. 
Ask yourself, is God ask, who is God asking me to be in this season? Your response makes all the difference. Whose spiritual journey do you respect? How do you respond to God's call? That's your choice, your recipe, if you will. The important question becomes not how we share, but with whom do we share? Matthew 22 says, love thy neighbor. But who is our neighbor? Who is God calling you to love? The immigrant neighbor? The black neighbor? The atheist neighbor? Thy Muslim neighbor? The depressed neighbor? The Asian neighbor? The LB LGBTQ neighbor, the disabled neighbor, the indigenous neighbor, the Jewish neighbor, the political neighbor, the elderly neighbor, the homeless neighbor, the Latino neighbor, the addicted neighbor, the millennial neighbor, and then there's a fill in the blank who is God calling you to love as your neighbor? A final statement that spoke to my heart was, no work is done for God without the power of God. We don't leave it to God if we're trying to control it. We can do nothing in and of ourselves. Grace said, I can do God's work not because I'm good enough, but because God loves me enough. God's will is for us to have relationship. That is the key to the theme of love God, love neighbor. There is no other, only us. If you would join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to love one another. Allowing us to love our neighbor for a season or a lifetime is a gift that we do not deserve. We can only love because you have first loved us. We ask you to open our eyes to the needs of those around us and grant us courage to serve in ways that seem hard. Thank you for teaching us through the parable of the Good Samaritan that you have called us to love all people and not just those that look, act, think, and live like we do. Mold our hearts to do your will. We love you so much. Amen.